It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the John Sanchez Show podcast. The following program is sponsored by Sanchez Wealth Management. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Further information is available by contacting John at SanchezWealthManagement.com or by calling 800-1801. John Sanchez is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Independent Financial Group, LLC, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. Securities only offered in states John Sanchez is registered in. Now, the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. Good Thursday evening to you. Welcome to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. It is a pleasure to be with you as it is with my co-host, my long-lost brothers, Mr. Dwight Millard of Hometown Lenders. How you be, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, John. How are you doing today? Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Good. you. Corey Edge Edrility, Big C, how you hanging? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you doing? <laughs> doing good. Doing I love good. Hearing your voice, even more oh, normal. Yeah. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Yeah, I was telling my wife before the show. It's like, I just can't wait to talk to the boys. It's been a week, week and a half or so. So yes, yeah. thank you, boys, for holding down the fort these last few days. For sure, appreciate it. You guys have done an amazing job as always, as always. Well, Corey, you know, I got to tell you a, a funny behind the scenes story. So this morning, as I was sitting down trying to determine our our topic for this evening. Uh, I was sitting there looking, and this is, of course, after we had the housing star data come out and the building permits, a lot of obviously real estate related data. And, you know, both of those numbers were, were just terrible, along with it seems like everything else that we're, we're getting these days as far as economic news. And then I started to think about something. I thought, you know what? Is, is the environment that we find ourselves in, and, and I, let me add one of the preface to this. This is after, of course, I had to turn you know CNBC down because, once again, it was just every single person that was on there, negative, 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 this problem, that problem. And again, yeah, I just reached that point, as I know you guys do. You, you just turn it off. It's like, I, I can't hear any more negative uh, you know, comments out there. But then I started thinking, I was like, okay, let, let's take the opposite approach, right, in real estate. Let's take the opposite approach. We find ourselves in a... In a highly rising inflationary environment. We had that little dip. And then, of course, all that went by the wayside on Friday when we got the CPI data showing CPI now up to 8.6%. Uh, you know, these mortgage rates, as we will talk about with you, Dwight, of course, you know, cresting over the 6% mark. And you sit there and go, oh, my gosh. And then, of course, the, the data that we received this morning. You go, man, what a negative environment for real estate. But then it, something hit me across the face, and I went, wait a minute here. Let, let's take the contrarian view of this, and hence this is our topic tonight. The contrarian view is, Corey, you know better, and you and Dwight know better than anybody. As a landlord, this is actually a perfect environment for you as a landlord, is it not? For the reasons we'll discuss tonight? Uh, it, it, it could be for a while. You're probably going to have a little nirvana time frame here for a yeah. little bit, but it just depends how far it goes. Okay. All right. Dwight? No, I agree. I, I, you know, how long it will last and how good will, you know, you'll have to see. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's it's an opportunity um, present. 
Absolutely. And, and what we're talking about, and this is what our topic is tonight, is, is again, as a, as a landlord. So we're going to focus in on those of you that are landlords. As a landlord, how do you take advantage of this environment? And it's very simple. Think about this for a second. And again, we'll go through great details of this. Rising inflationary environment, right? So if Corey owns a house for, let's say, 400000 he bought years ago, he can't go out and, and let's say the rent Corey is, I don't know, 2000 bucks, And you can't go out and buy another house, you know, that same house for 400000 going to probably cost you 600,000 plus. So therefore you would have to charge higher rents. Well, again, as you said, there's a equilibrium. A lot of people are just going to say, no, that's, that's too much money. So Corey, you're in an advantage because you own a house at a lower cost. You're getting a great rate of return at $2,000 a month. And, and again, you can't go buy something of equal value or of, of equal size, for example, because of inflationary pressures. It, it just costs more to build that house. Then Dwight over to your side of things, you got this mortgage environment that's gone from you know roughly three percent thirty year mortgage at the beginning of the year to now over six percent as we sit today, and therefore again if I'm going to go you know if I'm one of those on the fence looking to be a buyer I'm going is is the data showing people are just getting priced out left and right they just are having a heck of a time affording things, so so based upon hey it's going to cost a lot to go buy a house if I'm a current renter it's going to cost a lot to go rent a house um, if I'm a current renter that puts a landlord in great position at this point to still for many, well, who knows how long, but let's say for at least for, for the next foreseeable future, the next six months to 12 months, um, the, the, the current landlord's in a very good position because the rental demand should continue to increase. That was my that was my uh, you know slap across the face that I did myself saying, wait a minute here, this is actually a positive environment for a landlord. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, I don't know... You don't know what the rescission rate is as far as tenants that turn into homeowners, right? So I'm sure there's some every month that have been looking for a house, they buy a house, they get out of the tenant pool, so now that landlord's thinking, great, I got a vacant house, what am I going to do? And as more home buyers sit on the fence, they're just going to sit on the fence they're already renting. That's right. And so it is going to be beneficial to that landlord. It'll be interesting to see you know, what kind of pricing power the landlord has because the reason that that tenant is sitting on the fence is Mm -hmm. because they're getting priced out everywhere else with inflation and rates and all that other stuff. So I don't know yet, um, you know, if they'll be able to raise rent just because the tenant's there. But at least they'll have somebody stay a little bit longer in theory. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely stay longer. And and again, maybe be able to capture a little bit more uh, rental income from that standpoint. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, before we get to the stock market side, just one thing. Corey, is there a stat, and and forgive me if you've mentioned this before, but it's escaping my mind. Is there a stat you can can follow or look up for us that shows the the rental vacancies in town and if we, we can monitor that side of it? Yeah, so the the report that we do, um, I think we talked about it because it was in the RGJ article, but there's a quarterly report that comes out. That's right, that's right. um, Oh, gosh dang it. I know. (laughs) Johnson Perkins. Yeah. Um, And there is a vacancy rate in there, and I believe, I might be off a little bit, but I believe in the first quarter it was 2%, 2.5%, somewhere in there. That sounds about right. Um, And most of those in that, and that report are larger buildings. You know, they don't mm-hmm. go you know, because it's hard to dive into single-family houses. But usually, whatever you see in those buildings, you'll see across you know the rest of the spectrum. Sure, so. sure, exactly. And, and Dwight, before we turn to the stock market side, just real quickly, what are you hearing? Since you and I haven't chatted in a, in a few days, what are you hearing of people coming in saying? 
wow, you know, I, Dwight, can I afford this at 6% when, you know, I was, my budget before was at 3 or 4% on a 30 year mortgage? Are, are people starting to panic a little bit as far as potential buyers? And then turn around and saying, you know what, I'm just going to rent for a while. There definitely is a shock factor, John, um, with a lot of people because, you know, we talked about it for several months prior to this about what is what will be the threshold. And we've exceeded that threshold that we even thought might be challenging. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So. So, I mean, you are in essence looking at I mean, uh, you know, and I've got some numbers we can go over later on if you want, just just showing the difference between, you know, it's just taking a, a, a certain loan amount and a rate at three, a rate at five, and a rate at six. I mean, hmm. you're starting to really put some pressure on people. So, yeah, it is. It, 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 it's still becoming a shock factor because, sure. you know, on Tuesday, that was a horrible, horrible day in the bond market on Tuesday, and rates were all over the board. And, yeah. you know, now we've settled down yesterday and a little bit of breathing room today. But, I mean, you know, just wait wait you know the storm could come tomorrow so it's just it's so tough right now just really but yeah but you know to your point it's definitely been a shock factor not even a wow it's been a shock shock okay all right very good well that's a good transition dwight uh, to uh, speaking of shock we 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 got dealt another one today um and and it started this morning the the futures were very weak um overnight and it really started believe it or not at about midnight and here's what happened at midnight Uh, again the world was shocked by this no one as far as the projections that i saw saw this coming and that it was the swiss national bank announced and, and they don't move very much in their rates. I mean, very infrequently. But the Swiss National Bank at about midnight hour time announced a surprise interest rate hike of half a percent, 50 basis points. Then, if that wasn't enough, then as the morning progresses, so the futures kind of headed south on us at that point, then as the morning progressed, the Bank of England said, we're going to raise rates by a quarter percent. Uh, They also projected a decline in their second quarter GDP uh, of three-tenths of a percent. Then we had Brazil come out and say, oh, you know what, we're going to kind of jump on the bandwagon with the Swiss National Bank, and we're going to increase our rates by 50 basis points or a half a percent. So so now what we're starting to see, which is kind of this next leg in this rising interest rate environment, this next leg is now we're getting, and we shouldn't be surprised, I guess, central banks around the world doing the same thing, right? We, we've we've had some periods where that's happened in the last couple of years, but we've also had periods where the U.S. was talking about rising and other countries were still cutting. But now we're getting this, this coordinated effort around the world where central banks are going, hey, you know what? They did a half a percent. Oh, you know what? They did three quarters. So, you know what? We're going to do a half a percent or a quarter percent or something. And let me tell you, the, the you know, Right before the market opened, my last report, we were down over 500 points in the futures, which, you know, you don't see that very often. But that's that really set the theme for today. And that's kind of what set, you know, again, just added to this negativity and this negative tone that's out there is now this coordinated effort by banks around the world um, saying, you know what, let's all start raising rates because inflation is running rampant. So we'll come back and touch on that and build on that story and then get into today's market activity. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming up at 6 p.m. My foot is on the gas pedal. The Great One, Mark Levin on News Talk 780 KOH. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH with Corey Edgevich, Realty to White Millard of Hometown Lenders. All right, here's the uh, the tough part of the day. The final numbers at 1 p.m. 741 decline on the Dow, 2.42%. We closed at 29,927, so wiped out that gain of yesterday. NASDAQ of 453 declined down 4.08% to 10,646. S&P lower by 123 or three and a quarter percent to finish the day at 3,666. We'll call it unchanged on oil, just a fractional move, to, uh, finished at about $113 a barrel. Strong day for gold, $30.30 rise, $1,849.90 an ounce. And Dwight, as you mentioned, Got a little reprieve in the uh, 10 year Treasury market today, uh, down nine basis points to a close of 3.31%. And I noticed before we get your commentary, Dwight, I noticed that uh, things started to get a little bit more normal today. We had some inversion on a few areas, but you know, if you look at the other various maturities, it looked like things started to you know get back a little bit normal. And here's what I mean: two year was at a close of three sixteen, down eleven basis points. The three year to yield a three thirty five, five year yield a three thirty eight. Now the ten year, this is where we inverted versus the two, it, it uh, or excuse me, versus the uh, uh, the three year. So the ten years, I said a three thirty one, and then the thirty year bond yield 336. So other than the 10-year inverting versus the, the two-year, everybody else was uh, you know fairly much uh, in line with, with the way it should, meaning the longer date of the maturity, the the uh, the higher the yield should be. So I've been dying to talk to you a little bit about the, the mortgage market. So let's start with yesterday real quickly. Uh, Three-quarters of a percent increase by the Fed, strong inclination, another half a percent to three-quarters of a percent increase at the uh, July meeting. There's no meeting in August. Let's talk about what the heck happened with the national mortgage rate today, 605, um, up about uh, two basis points. So, yeah. Yeah. What yeah. have you, you been I dealing mean, with? You know, <laughs> I want, yeah, no, I want, well, I want to go back to Tuesday because Tuesday was just an, an unbelievable. I, I mean, I don't know if I've seen a single day that bad in a long time okay. uh, coming up to that. And, uh, you know, we, when we were doing the show, there, there were some investors, John, out there that were, were pricing around the six and a half mark, you know, because it was just all over. And then you saw the inversions and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, to your point, but, but you look at the 30 year right now, who wants to buy 30, right? That's the point. Oh, yeah. Who wants to? Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're getting nothing for such a long period of time. Yeah. So, you know, so your, your, your long bonds, your 30 year fixed rates are having a hard time getting any traction at all mm-hmm. in ter- you know, the mortgage backed securities are exactly the same. So, you, you know, you did, you got to, so what was amazing yesterday, obviously it was the three quarters I was expecting just a bloodbath. And then we sure. got the opposite, right? Your market, the bond market, yep. everything looked fantastic, but I thought it was just, you know, and then you got the hangover today. Right. And, right. and, uh, you know, and, and so I think, um, you know, I, I, you know, it's hard to say which direction this is going to go because I don't, I, I think you're, I, John, this is my personal opinion. I think you'll see another three quarters in July. You'll see another mm-hmm. three. I think you'll see another three quarters in September. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to have to get that, stay that aggressive. And, but any indications that they're going to hit anything outside of that is just going to, you know, continue mm-hmm. to put pressure on this market. But, yeah, we're in the new the new world now. Six. 
Well, you, you've got the, yeah, that is the new world. Plus, this is the week uh, that the unwinding of the Fed balance sheet has begun. So, are you seeing any any major reaction in the mortgage-backed securities? Uh, no, no, I, no, but that's, you know, that's not going to be helpful either, as we you've pointed out several times over the months. That's not going to be helpful either, you know, oh, no. in trying to get any <laughs> any benefit or any traction on, you know, and, and again, you know, I read the same articles you did about everybody else jumping on, raising their, you know, raising their rates. You know, you had... Uh, uh, you know, even was it your uh, what was it the uh, United Arab Emirates and Qatar and Bahrain? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they all are going. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just there's just not anything out there that I see, and you've you've articulated this so well over the that's going to drive these rates down, other than yeah. a full blown, full blown massive recession that they're going to have no other choice but then to maybe start dealing with rate interest yeah, rates. I, 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 I want to differ with you a little bit as far as my projection of, of future interest rate increases. And again, it, it's 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 a, it, the brightest minds on Wall Street. Their, their guesstimate as well as I am and you are and so on and so forth. But here's kind of the logic. And Corey, I'd love to get your opinion on this because you're a good prog- prognosticator also. So, I'm with you, Dwight. I think, you know, 50 to three quarters of a percent. I think that's baked into the cake as far as the, the July meeting. Again, no meeting in August. September, here's what I'm thinking is going to happen. <clears throat> September, I think, is when we're going to start to see a little bit of a pause. Now, I was of the camp before we came into this meeting yesterday of three quarters of a percent. Um, uh, I was of the camp when, when, when the indications were yesterday's number should have been a half a percent. I was of the camp that we were not going to get any more in September, that the Fed was going to pause. I'm now leaning more towards a quarter percent hike. Now, think about this for a second, guys. If the Fed comes in in September and gives us a quarter percent, they're still somewhat appeasing Wall Street that they're doing something, right? Because there's a whole camp out there that's saying, hey, you know, go for it, Fed. Keep raising rates, right? Yeah. Um, so, so they somewhat appease Wall Street. But at the same time, I think the stock market would look at it and go, whew, maybe, maybe, you know, the Fed is done aggressively raising rates. And then maybe going forward, uh, again, back to my original projection, which was, I think the Fed's going to pause the, the the closer we get to midterm elections. So they may not do anything more after that September meeting. If it's a quarter percent, maybe they give us a quarter percent at the meeting after that, or maybe nothing at all. Because once again, folks, remember, the Fed does not want to be viewed as being influential whatsoever in the midterm elections. So that's kind of where I'm leaning at this point that, you know, three quarters of a percent at the July meeting and then September do a quarter percent, let the market catch up, let inflation kind of settle down by that point, so on and so forth. Don't be viewed as influencing the election. Give Wall Street a quarter percent or so. Everybody's you know kind of happy, but most, most importantly, that could be the beginning of a, of a, you know, as Jason says, a rip your face off type of rally going into the rest of the year. That's kind of what I'm leaning at this point. Corey, what's your, what's your feeling on that? I think they. I think obviously they're looking at reports. We don't have any reports that come out between now and and the next meeting. I, I don't mm-hmm. think. I mean, maybe one or two small ones. But it's it, it, to me just being out in the community. I'm sure you guys are the same. You can see the effects. I mean, absolutely. What they're jawboning about and what they're doing is having an effect. You're seeing layoffs. You're seeing mm-hmm. the stock market. You haven't seen it in the real estate data yet, but trust me, it's there. It's going to show up in the next couple of reports. So it'll be interesting to see. I agree with you that he's kind of, I don't want to say he's boxed himself in because he changed his mind, you know, yep. this past meeting. But um, he's probably got to do at least a half or three quarters. But I think if you start getting, if you continue to have the kind of carnage you're having at some point, I would believe 
they'll look at it and take their foot off the gas a little bit because the last thing they want, I know that he says he doesn't care about the markets and we may have to go into a recession, but I got to believe that's the last thing they want because then they're going to be forced to start bringing those rates back down. That's right. To, right. to undo what they've done. So yes, yes. we'll see. It's probably wishful thinking, but who knows? Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, it's it's it, to me, it seems logical. But again, this has been a Fed that is, has been very illogical. They, they've missed the target. And, and I'll wrap up before we turn it over to Jim. And, and I want you guys to kind of think about this. I think this will be a fun discussion when we come back before we delve into tonight's real estate topic. And that is, how did how did all of these central bankers around the world, not just here in the U.S., but all these central bankers around the world, how did they miss this this inflation? How, how did they not see it with all the computer models and everything, all the tools that they have? How did everybody miss it so bad? I think that's a question that would be fun to debate when we come back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Weekday mornings at 9. Your kids are being indoctrinated. Your freedoms are being taken away. Dan Bongino on News Talk 780 KOH. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH with Corey Edge of Edgerility, Dwight Millard of Hometown Lenders. 741 decline on the Dow. NASDAQ down 453. S&P a 123 decline. Now, before we get to some of the real estate data, then our topic, guys, we were kind of discussing this before we went to break, and that is how did central bankers, not only here in the U.S., but around the world, how did they miss the inflationary mark so greatly, right? Because now, now it's all a matter of catch-up, right? Now everybody's panicking, raising rates unexpectedly, in between meetings, and so on and so forth. So I, I did a little bit of um, uh, of research uh, before the show, it, kind of leading up to this. I want to just throw these stats out before you guys chime in here. So as we've discussed before, when you when you look at CPI, the, the uh, Consumer Price Index, it's made up of various components. But two of the the largest components um, are as follows, and I'm going to break this first component. We'll call it component A. So component A of CPI, this represents 52% of the CPI calculation. It is food, it is energy, and it's shelter. 52%, okay? It is, uh, or excuse me, 54%. It is up 5.2% over the last 12 months. Those three areas, food, energy, and shelter, up 5.2% 5.2% in the last 12 months. Then you get to the second largest area, which is uh, various commodities, less food and energy. That um, uh, represents about 21.4% of the index. It's up 8.5% over the last 12 months. So, you know, here you're talking, you know, roughly over 60% of the CPI calculation is really narrowed down to a small number of groups. But you sit back and you go, how did these brainiacs, you know, that talk such big fancy terms and big words and, you know, have all the quote, all the answers, how did they miss it so much? And, and so my take on it is, 
I think, again, we're, we're dealing with so many new things in this world at this point, right? So many new things in this world, the supply chain issues, COVID, all these different things. I think the Fed is really acting too stodgy from the standpoint of how they're looking at things, right? They didn't know where they wanted inflation. Inflation, the target's always been 2%. Then they give us some fancy language that they change that. And, you know, we, we want the mandate higher than that. Well, what is higher? Well, we don't know. Is it 25 Is it 3%? Now they're coming back and saying they want 2% inflation. I, I, I think, again, they were asleep at the wheel and, and just said, wait a minute here. You know, the way that we've looked at inflation and measured it and so on and so forth in those major areas I just mentioned, Times have changed. There's other issues evolving in the economy, such as the supply chain issues, which, again, in my opinion, is one of the primary causes of inflation. I think they did not account for that enough, and I think they just really screwed up on it. Corey, let's start with you. Well, I think for a lot of it, nobody has seen inflation for how many decades, right? And mm-hmm. this all kind of goes back to, in my opinion, 2008 QE, the first time they really start tinkering with the economy, they flood liquidity into the system, and nothing really happens. There's a little bit of inflation, but not much. So this time around, granted, we had a pandemic. They shut down the country. I mean, all the things everybody knows. But instead of doing a small program again, which may or may not have been the right thing, I think it probably was. They had to do something. But they did a program that was just gargantuan in comparison. Um, But nobody. this is an experiment, right? Like, we're experimenting with the U.S. economy (laughs) and people's livelihoods. And... I just imagine like the Wizard of Oz, there's, I don't know if it's Powell or somebody else, but they're just sitting there pushing and pulling these levers, not really sure what each lever is going to do. Mm -hmm. But if it does the wrong thing, we'll push the other lever and hopefully we can get it back to where we started. And Mm -hmm. nobody really knows where we're going to end up. Yeah. You know, why your fingers not being pointed at, at, say, a Pelosi or some. Yeah, I mean, the Democrats and the Republicans, obviously, both sides voted for the very stimulative measures. But remember how anxious she was and how she pushed for so, so much stupid money to go out there. Right. Money. I mean, hundreds of billions of dollars that that never got spent to help out the consumer. Again, Lord knows that, you know, not nearly enough to help out the small business, but hundreds of billions of dollars that went to cities, county, states that they ended up using for programs that had nothing to do with covid. Right. But but that money, hey, it's already been voted on. It's already been given to the state. So there's no accountability to them. That's where I think a lot of things screwed up. Dwight? Well, you know, this is my opinion. I think you start to see inflation pressures as you start to see oil go up. I think mm-hmm. we're I think we're experiencing, and again, it's an experiment that what the what war on oil will do. I mean, you start sure. you stop, you know, everything stop, stop costs, pumping. I, mean, yeah. my, I had I had dinner with my brother the other night. Who was a truck driver? He says it's impossible right now, the regulations and the fuel and all this, just to even make a living out there for these truckers. Yep. And yep. so I, I just think I don't think you're going to see any pressure of inflation come down until they start figuring out how to get the oil prices down. That's just my opinion. I, I, I've been else. saying that. I, I've been saying that for over a year. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so absolutely. I did. They got to figure out. They got to. They got to figure out the oil situation. How to get it cheaper and 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 things like that and i think you'll start to maybe see some pressure there's other things that you guys have both mentioned that gargantuan you know 1.9 trillion and and other things that we're going to have to sift through but i i just don't think you're going to start so 
So, so wait a minute, Dwight. You mean you mean the the letter that Biden sent to the oil executives, you know, bashing them, saying they're making yeah. too much money and they yeah. need to, to reduce that down. You don't think yeah. that's going to be effective? Come on, Dwight. Right, right. I, I think it's only going to make it worse. Oh, they, they, remember, we were saying a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that, that's a solution. You you send a letter out because you want to you know look good in the public's eyes and tell these oil executives you're making too much money. The same group that he basically put his middle finger up against and said, you know, yeah. stop drilling. We don't want you. You're dirty, nasty people. You know, everything else. And now he's going, you know, begging the hat to mouth and saying, hey, guys, uh, fellas, uh, you know, what do you think? Uh, Could you maybe, you know, fire up some of those wells and get some of this oil going? And then I saw one great, great comment today. uh, I think it was on Twitter or somewhere. I don't know who said it, but it was by a a congressional member. What a joke his release of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was. Right. We we laughed at that that twice, you know, or two times that he's done that this year saying, yeah, that's like spitting into the wind. You really think that's going to work? All you did is get rid of our reserves. And, you know, again, you're trying to fool the American you know, public that you're doing something where you're not. But Dwight, do you remember back when, when it was the opposite problem? Remember when, when we all wanted a little bit of inflation? when we were hovering well below 2% for years after years after years. Right. And remember the three of us sitting here saying the only way inflation is going to go up is if oil prices go up. Well, he got yeah. that, <laughs> you know, now, yeah. now the question is, you know, how's he going to get them down? Um, I, I mean, I, I have so I'm many different ideas of how that could work. Like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, I don't know, guys. There's there's a lot of ways. I may that be a fun show at, at a later time to say, okay, what what could be some of the strategies to bring oil prices down? Because I think it, there's a lot of strategies that could be done that that. It, Again, either they're not smart enough to do in Washington or they're afraid to do or something. But you're absolutely right, Dwight. I'm so glad you brought up that point. You, you bring oil prices down. Now your brother starts making some money and, and you know, so on and so forth. And you're right. I mean, it costs an absolute fortune to to own just one semi, much less a fleet of them. And that's why you're seeing a lot of big names going belly up. I mean, some big trucking organizations just calling it quits. They can't do it. They can't pass on the, 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 the uh, fuel surcharges enough and, you know, the insurance and on all the DOT regulations. It's It's tough. It is tough. My hearts yeah. go out to them, as I've always said. So, man, oh man, but yeah. How did they, how did these central bankers fall asleep? It's just it's just ridiculous. And you know the Corey Edge scenario: Swing, pendulum swings one side to the other way too much. And you you think after all these years of monitoring inflation, we'd have this thing figured out? But it just comes up to bite us on the butt. You know, every every whatever five ten years, it seems like it happens, and yeah. everyone goes, "Oh my God, we have inflation." Well, yeah, no kidding. Look look at what's what, what comprises it, right? Uh, so. Corey, before we get to the uh, topic this evening, I want to real quickly hit this. Speaking of real estate data, so we had housing starts come in this morning uh, for the month of May, down 14.4% month over month. They were looking for only a 2.6% decline. Building permits falling 7%. Any concern on your part on those national numbers? I didn't read the report. I obviously saw the headlines and I listened to a couple of people talk about it, but it's it's just indicative of what you're seeing out there. And I, I know we... I don't want to make it sound worse than it is, but, you know, Dwight and I went over the the local report here uh, for Reno on Tuesday, and the headline numbers all look great. But when you, you know, pull up the hood and look at the engine, like things are starting to break a little bit in there. And so I think you're seeing that on a national level. doesn't mean I, I think you're still at that point, John, where they can get things under control and it might just be a little blip because we don't have any, you know, systemic risk. There's nothing there. I was listening to an economist the other day, and he was talking about now versus 2008, and he said something that didn't dawn on me. It should have, but he goes, you know, in 2008, people had to sell. They had to sell Correct. houses. They couldn't Correct. afford them. They didn't right. have jobs. They didn't. Now people don't have to do that. So whatever we go through here, whether it's big or small, is just going to be by their own choosing. So right. 
there's still time to until uh, until they do happen. start until they do start losing their jobs. Right? Until Correct. That's what I'm saying. There's still yeah. time to there's still time to to get this ship. You know, not that it's off the tracks, but kind of just do a subtle little fender bender yeah. instead sure. of full on. You know, crash. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. John, we're already we're already starting to see in some of our files. You know, four day work weeks, cut back furloughs. Yep. Those are, I mean, these could start coming again. And Absolutely. it makes it almost impossible to qualify people when you can't figure out what their income is going That's to right. be. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Well, you know, you, you, you hear the data. We had today Revlon filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy, just looking at that as an example because of, you know, unsurmounting amounts of debt. Corey, you know, when things have got bad in the economy before you, I noticed you really like to focus in on debt, the high mm-hmm. yield bond market. And really what's no, if you notice, no one's really talking about that right now. No one's talking about the different industries. The energy industry specifically is so well known for this, how much debt was taken on in, in those lower interest rate environments. Well, guess what? Those lines of credit and those those various loans they come due they're not you know <laughs> locked in at two percent for 30 years most of them adjust every year every couple years um that type of thing so i think uh, you know if you start to see somebody begin to default or more bankruptcies or things and you start to see again more layoffs announced i mean i don't know about you guys but but i don't know of any industry right now that that other than a you know i'll, I'll use the term minimum wage worker not disgracing them by any means but any industry right now that's aggressively hiring you know a hundred thousand dollar plus employee employees, everyone right now that I'm hearing and talking to is saying, you know what, I don't know where this thing's going. So we're, we're, we're just pausing right now. We're, we're not, we're not really you know, having massive layoffs, but we're not hiring. We're not building. I, I had a good friend that's in the construction industry I was speaking with the other night. And he uh, has a pretty good, uh, uh, pretty good pulse on the local economy. And uh, they, he's, he's in the welding industry, and some jobs got pulled from him uh, by, I'll, I'll just mention, the world's largest retailer uh, that had planned on expanding. And, and instead, they're, they're holding off. They're not, they're, not, um, they're not expanding. They're just uh, actually contracting a little bit and not doing any new projects. And so, you know, you start looking at those things, folks. Start, you know, like, to use Corey's analogy, look under the hood and start hearing and talking to your neighbors and find out what really is going on. On outside of these economic numbers, because as Corey has so correctly mentioned many times, some of the data that we give you is, you know, it's lagging, right? It's a month old and a month in this environment is, you know, equivalent to a year in normal environments. All right. We'll get to the real estate side of things when we come back. Tonight at nine. The excuse for Democrats is always the same. The American people are dullards. Ben Shapiro on News Talk 780 KOH. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. Mr. Edge, can we get your phone number, sir? 673-6700. Beautiful, Mr. Millard. Eight five eight forty four forty four. All righty, boys. Thank you so much for that. Now, to our real estate topic here, I know we uh, had a lot of other things to catch up on, so we're going to hustle on this one. So, again, we, we just went over housing starts down 14.4%. Building permits down 7%, right? Doom and gloom, 30-year mortgages above 6%, on and on and on. But there's one little aspect of the real estate market that seems to be an area that we think you can still withhold and make some decent money going forward, and that is being a landlord. So, Corey, as we discussed at the beginning of the show, inflationary environment, Yes, we are in. Rising mortgage rate environment, Dwight. Yes, we are in. Corey, sell us on why it's a good time to be a landlord right now in what appears to be on the surface some negative information. Well, I think it kind of goes back to what we just got done talking about. People still have jobs. They're still making income. They're getting pressure on, you know, going to the grocery store and filling up their car with gas and all those things, but they're still getting that paycheck. So if they were thinking about getting into the housing market, a lot of those people now are just kind of sitting on the fence to see what's going to happen. So it's a great time to retain that tenant. Or if you have a rental, 
and there's a vacancy, it might be a good time to find a new tenant who maybe has switched their minds and said, hey, I'm going to sit out of the, mm. you know, put my buyer hat uh, on the fence for six months sure. and see what happens. Sure. So we'll, we'll see. And, and, and to your point, as long as people are employed, as long as they have somewhere to go, then all this, you know, may work itself out. I will tell you, not to sound negative, but yeah. I have heard in the last week, probably two weeks, from some very large apartment people here in town that their traffic is starting to slow down they're not getting as much interest in vacant mm-hmm. units as they have seen in the past okay. um so we'll see have to see how the demographic works you know i don't know if people are just staying put or moving out or you know we'll see how that shakes out you know i was wondering if you're going to bring that point up and and i was putting myself into a renter's perspective and let's let's say i was renting a I don't know, three-bedroom apartment for a couple of grand or a house or something yeah maybe if even if i could afford to move up to something bigger or go from an apartment to a house or something you know if i was on a on a real tight budget as most people are I, I, I don't know, Corey, if I would. I, I, I think I would mm-hmm. kind of take that mentality and say, you know what, do I really want to go you know, spend the money on a U-Haul and take the time? And I mean, it's expensive to move. I don't care how, how big or small you're moving into. Or do I just want to kind of stay where I am and, and let the storm pass for a little bit? And I, I think that may be what we're seeing is those existing landlords and things. Yeah, I think they're going to be just fine. But put, put it this way, would I want to be one of those large developers you just mentioned that have you know a lot of lot of units? I you know I've mentioned that you a couple times as you've mentioned yeah, hey you know the, we've got thousands of units either available or coming on the market to, and i said back then that's a scary proposition i think i'd be a little bit nervous you know right now dwight wrap us up yeah i was at might now might be a time to find a higher quality tenants and all that but i do agree go. i think people are going to sit back and and just give it a, a little pause to it before they make any major decisions to move. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, I think the bottom line, uh, it it is soon at this point, guys, to uh, see how this inflation, like you said, whether it's the real estate, whether it's the gas prices, whether it's the grocery prices, whatever, how it's going to impact the consumer. But we did get a comment from Jerome Powell yesterday that they're watching the University of Michigan consumer sentiment number, and that was one of the reasons that they did push towards the three-quarters of a percent increase versus a half is the consumer now is starting to anticipate inflation remaining with us for quite some time. So when that happens, what do we do? We sit on our hands and tighten up the pocketbook. It's going to be a fun ride, guys. It already has been and will continue to be. God bless. Have a great evening. Great job, boys. On air, online, on demand. News Talk 780 KOH.